Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back to Police Pod Talk. Hopefully you had a wonderful weekend in and getting ready for the holidays that are coming up. On the uh, air today, we're talking to Austin Inge out of Indianapolis, Indiana. He is a assistant principal with Victory College Prep Academy down in Indianapolis. And he's on the air today with us. We're going to do a little bit of talking about uh, what he does for a living and along with also thanking him as a teacher, uh, administrator. Uh, we thank a lot of people with the uh, nurses and doctors and policemen and firemen and medics and truck drivers. And we, we sometimes seem to forget about the teachers who are also going through the exact same stresses and struggles that all those people are going through also. And we want to thank them. But Austin, you can say hello to the people out there. Hey, everybody. I, I appreciate it. Thanks. We do appreciate it. All right, all right. Hey, thanks uh, for being here with us, and you'll do this today. But, hey, we want to kind of get uh, an, uh, from your angle what has been going on. We've been watching the news with all the pandemic, with all the numbers going up, going down, waiting on a vaccine, things along that line. And we want to hear from you what's happening, and we'll get into the uh, struggles and the stress and strains that you guys are going through. But go ahead and uh, – Fill us in a little bit on where you're at, what's, what school you're at, number of kids, and uh, then we'll start talking about what's going on with numbers. Go right ahead, Austin. Okay. So, I mean, where we're at is the same as where everybody else is. Um, just trying to sit around and wait and see and find out, is the vaccine coming? Um, are we going to be okay to meet with our friends and family anytime soon? Um, in, in the school I'm at, we deal with 7th through 12th grade kids. And I think the thing that makes it unique about our situation is – we need kids to graduate. So during a pandemic, when half of our kids are virtual or, or right now our whole school is virtual, we're frantically trying to get our 10th, 11th and 12th graders to make sure they're passing their classes because they've got to walk across that stage, whether or not we come back in person. Um, otherwise, we're going to have a bunch of seniors that don't graduate this year. And especially in a city like Indianapolis, we have a high rate of kids between 16 and 24 who are not in school. And we don't want to be part of the part of the, I guess, group of people contributing to that problem. So where we're at, uh, a little bit panicked right now, halfway through the school year. That's where we're at. Wow. So so when you say you're trying to get them to graduate, what does that mean? What do you what are you meaning by saying that? Well, so the, the school I work at is a inner city school. So a lot of the kids we serve um, finishing high school is a necessity for them to even be able to have a life. For the rest of for the rest of their life right mm -hmm. um it's really easy to get swept up into the streets in indianapolis and even though we're offering school sometimes it's hard to track kids down so they have so many other things going on in their lives we're doing things like dropping computers off at their houses giving them little wi-fi boxes we're calling on a daily basis because if they don't complete their necessary coursework pandemic or not they're not going to earn credits for those courses hmm. um and one of the things we do, which it makes it harder now, but it's more beneficial in, a, I guess, a normal school year. Our kids take a lot of college courses. We partner with Ivy Tech. So some of our kids are graduating from high school with 
10, 15 college credits or credit hours. Um, and if they don't do that coursework, then they're missing out on an opportunity for a very, very inexpensive college education. Wow. So we have these opportunities for them. And if, if we can't get the kids to log on and, and do the coursework, they're missing out on some things that could really set them up for a great start to their life at 18 years old. Now, I'm sure the kids understand this. Are the parents understanding the opportunity also? Um, I would say yes and no. Uh, it, it's easy to look at inner city kids and say, oh, it's the parents. They don't know what's going on. Um, a lot of times they do. The difference is parents of inner city kids sometimes work three jobs. So they know the importance. They know what their kids are capable of and what they want their kids to accomplish. But sometimes when the parent's working during the day and they have a, a 15-year-old at home that's helping the elementary kid also log on, calling the parent at work and saying, hey, your kid's not coming to class, sometimes it's difficult to, to get action to come from that. Hmm. So I, I know the parents understand the importance. Um, all the parents I talked to this week, they understand the importance. But... Um, it's really hard to see the benefit when when you're part of the, I don't know how to put this, you're part of society that during the pandemic, you're kind of expendable. Mm -hmm. um, you're the, we're the workers who are still going out and working every single day. We're the workers who, pandemic or not, vaccine or not, we have to go to work or we can't feed our families. So mm -hmm. it's hard to say, yeah, I'll stay home for a couple of days, get my kids logged on, make sure their work is done. I don't know. I don't know if I put that eloquently enough. Well, no. Yeah, you did. I, at least I understood it. <laughs> I okay. It. So when you said you're actually dropping off uh, laptops and uh, Wi-Fi boxes, what percentage of kids do you think you have to do that for? Um, out of our 400 students, about 300 requested a laptop or a Wi-Fi box. Um, some of our kids have their own computers and internet. Um, some have computers, but there's multiple kids in the house, so they had to take computers from school. Um, so it was about 300. Okay, and, and your school was able to uh, supply that? <laughs> yeah, we used, some, uh, we used some funding to buy brand new computers over the summer because we were unsure how the school year was going to shake out. Would we all be on virtual? <laughs> Would we all be back in the building? So we basically have enough computers to be one-to-one. -one. So now, down in Indianapolis, well, according to way up north here, a lot of the high school kids are still going. It's the <laughs> uh, the other ones that aren't going. Um, you know, the younger kids, the middle school kids, they're mm. still going to school. What's going on down there? No, we're, we're completely shut down. So Marion County, which is Indianapolis and some of the suburbs, we're completely virtual kindergarten through 12th grade. And that was as of November 30th, they made that declaration. So as a school, we found out like we had 10 days. They said, you have 10 days to shut down and be virtual. <laughs> so not only were we frantically handing out laptops to kids and calling families and letting them know, hey, your kid's going to be home five days a week instead of with us. Um, we were also having to help our teachers make plans to teach virtually again, which is what we did back in August. So how, the, how are the teachers handling all these changes? I mean, they're tired, but I'd say teachers are handling changes pretty effectively. Um, like we had a 10-day notice to say, hey, you're teaching kids in the classroom today. In two weeks, you're going to be teaching kids virtually again. And they just instantly went into action and said, all right, I'm going to start teaching this way. I'm going to format my lessons this way. Uh, we had a couple of meetings, did some practice lessons, and then they hit the ground running. 
teachers are extremely flexible. Mm-hmm. Now, how are, how is that happening? Let's say a kid is singing at home. Kind of describe that for a lot of people who maybe uh, their kids are out of the house and all they're hearing is about kids learning from home. What does that look like when they open their laptop up? What are they oh, seeing? Man. No, it, it's different from school to school. It's it's different from teacher to teacher. Um, if your kid goes to our school, I think they're getting a pretty quality education. So our kids are logging on to Zoom and they're seeing their teacher's face live, welcoming them to class. And our teachers are using all kinds of different digital tools to like engage the kids. So they'll have the Zoom screen up and there's tools where they can like have the kids type their responses in. Kids can all see each other's responses. Uh, They'll pose a question to the class. It's like a poll. Kids can vote on things. And then we just go through a regular lesson like we would be in school. Instead of kids raising their hands and saying things out loud, they're typing responses that come up onto a virtual screen. So does a teacher respond to that right away? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then teachers, like what we're having our teachers do in a classroom, if a kid has some unique or really good work, we go grab that paper, put it up on the screen for the whole class to see. We can do that digitally. So teachers can like grab a student response, display it on the Zoom screen for all the kids and say, hey, look at your peers' response. Let's talk about it in the discussion board. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Let's build this answer up stronger. So, I mean, the engagement and interaction with our students, it's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I was picturing was when you turn on the, the laptop the teacher would be actually physically standing in the classroom like they're up on the, I'm going to say chalkboard, I'll show you how old I am, <laughs> chalkboard or blackboard, marking it and the camera's moving and following them. So it's more along the lines of a Zoom meeting? Yeah, I'd say 90% of what we're doing is Zoom meetings. Now, with teachers walking around in the classroom, a couple of our science teachers, they still do labs. So we have some cameras we set up in the room and they light stuff on fire, have little cars driving across the floor. Um, we still do that kind of stuff. It's just kids are watching it on a screen instead of sitting there in person doing it. Okay, and a teacher can see how many kids have logged on for that class? Oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah. let's say you don't get a kid to log on. What happens? <laughs> so the way we do things, a kid doesn't log on. We have a whole team of people at our school, like six, six people. They start making phone calls instantly. So first period starts at 9 a.m., by 9.15, they're making phone calls, and they'll just split up by grade level. I got 7th grade, I got 8th grade, and our goal is, like, by 10 o'clock, get all those kids on. Okay. We got to have them in class. Now, what what problems are you finding when they make that phone call? Or maybe they're finding that the, either the kid's not awake or they didn't know how to log on or they had a problem with their Internet. Uh, what are you finding? Uh, I mean, there, there's always a problem with Internet, problem with a kid forgetting to wake up. Um a lot of times it's the parent goes to work and then the kid doesn't want to get on and do the class. Hmm. But I mean, in all seriousness, that would be the same issue if we had schools open like regular, there's kids who they know their parents go to work. They're not getting on the bus. So (laughs) it's kind of the same fight that we normally have just now. If a kid misses a bus, they're like, well, I guess I'll see you tomorrow. In this case, I'm like, no, open up that laptop that we bought brand new and handed to you yesterday. (laughs) Um, and I think there's a pretty good success rate with the kids we get in touch with. Um, the kids, the unfortunate part is the kids who had trouble with regular school are even harder to find and even harder to motivate with virtual school. Okay. We were watching the, uh, world news. Well, I don't think it was the world news this morning. I was watching something on the news this morning 
and they were saying that they're having a problem. Uh, kids are failing more, or their their reading levels are down. What are you guys finding? You find that to be true, or uh, what's going on in your area? Yeah, I mean, the reality is, kids not being in school, it's going to affect them negatively. There's more distractions at home. There's that's for upper class, lower class. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, my own kids, I can't keep them off of a tablet to get their work done and read a book. So when they're when you're in school. This kind of sounds bad, but you have more control over what the kids do, what they think, what they look at. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're fighting against real-world distractions, and because of that, you're going to have a decline in ability and in reading ability and math ability. So, I mean, reporting those stats, it's like, yeah, that, that's what you thought was going to happen. <laughs> Somebody doesn't exercise for a year, they're not going to be healthy. It's kind of the same thing that's happening. You mm-hmm. don't exercise a kid's brain the same way for an entire school year. There's going to be deficits. Right. Now, do you think as this goes on, let's say two or three months, you're still doing this learning from home. Do you mm-hmm. think the numbers will pick up where all of a sudden they it clicks with them that, hey, um, I need to read this. I need to study this. I need to do a better job with the, with the grades go up, you believe? Yes. Yes. Maybe. But here's the problem. All right. Every two, three months, we switch what we're doing. Ah. So. We went virtual in the spring, and no teachers in Indiana knew how to do it, <laughs> so we just made stuff up. Come August, we were ready to do virtual learning, and then all of a sudden the schools opened back up. Mm-hmm. So then we had to switch back to in-the-classroom learning, and then as soon as we were starting to kind of hit the ground running with that, now we're back virtual again. So I, the hard part is the inconsistency. Teachers can't get into a groove. Kids aren't, aren't comfortable with their day-to-day schedule because we change it every two months. Right. That's the hard part. Right. Okay, so we're talking about the kids. Tell me about how are the teachers doing. I mean, I know I asked you this earlier, but with all this switching, changing, um, zooming, whatever you want to call it, how are the yeah. teachers doing? I mean, like I said, teachers are incredibly flexible. They're picking up stuff super fast, but the the stress of that, it shows. Um, even for teachers, teachers like to plan out weeks in advance, mm-hmm. uh, understand what their kids need to learn. But if we don't know two weeks from now if the school is going to be open, um, can we work in the building while the kids are at home? Do I have to stay home and work? All the unknowns that are just going on day to day make it hard. Um, Even during the time when we had kids in the building for that short period, we had like six weeks where we had kids in the building. Every single day it was like, all right, what if we have COVID cases? Do we shut down? What if my teaching partner gets sick? Do I have to go get tested? Am I out 10 days? Mm. It was the day-to-day unknown that just kind of dragged on teachers' mental capacity. Right. So from the, from the outside, it looked like they were just in there killing it, just teaching, teaching away, smiling. But underneath, you could just feel the tension and see the tension. Uh, it's just overwhelming. Right. So do you believe that if they could stay consistent with one style of learning or one style of teaching, either in the school or Zoom, would uh, mm. help everyone? again, you can't say everyone, but I think that would help like the mental ability for some of our teachers or the the mental health of some of our teachers. Mm -hmm. If they know that, all right, for the rest of this semester and until spring break, we are 100% virtual, then they can get into the mindset of here's how I need to plan for that. On the flip side of that, you tell kids we're virtual till spring break. Some of them who need that human interaction, they're going to be like, well, I'm done till spring break. I can't do this. Hmm. Um, so just knowing how long it's going to be is overwhelming for some people. So regar- um, regardless, it's a strain on the students and it's also a strain on the teachers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. At least when, 
take a normal school year. There are some kids who hate coming to school, but they just they get used to it and figure it out. Right. There are some some kids who love coming to school, love being around their peers. When you flip that on its end, you get mixed emotions. So, I mean, think about like when when we were young, snow days, you had a snow day. It was an exciting day to just be at home. Mm -hmm. But after a while, you want to be back at school. Right. After a while, when they tell you, all right, sports are canceled, (laughs) Um, all your clubs are canceled. Then for a lot of kids, what's where's their purpose at in life when they're especially adolescents, preteens trying to figure out who they are, where they fit in society. They have nobody to interact with and figure that out. So, hmm. Never, okay, see, you just hit on something with being uh, learning from home. How are you guys keeping up on sports? Oh man, so this is the thing that kind of kind of grinds my gears a little bit. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I mean, I, I coached track for ten years and basketball for five, and uh, so when I look at sports, to me, that's one of the most important ways that kids learn. Um, I'm sure music and band and stuff has the same benefits, but I didn't do any of that, so I can't speak to it. But mm-hmm. kids learn a lot from sports, and it makes them better students. Um, our school is on a sports hiatus. We don't have any sports. Every winter sport was shut down. They're going to reassess in about a week, and if the numbers are still bad, we're staying shut down. Wow. But all of the big schools, they're playing today. I turned on the TV, and, and the schools I used to work at, they're playing in a tournament. <laughs> um, kids I used to coach, they're playing today. And they're still getting that part of their life that makes them who they are. So So, as far as sports goes, the kids at schools like mine, they're at a complete disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So explain why is it that the big schools are still up and running? What are they doing that you guys maybe could do? (laughs) So what we did really well when we had part of a basketball season this year, um, we said no fans except for the teammate, the team, the players, and the coaches. And then we live-streamed all of our games on Facebook, and our our families were really into that. They were watching the games on Facebook Live. Um, We did it well. The bigger schools aren't doing that. They're allowing some parents and, like, one or two siblings to come to the games. I think they're not handling as good as we did, but since they're not having COVID cases, they're justifying why it can still happen. Okay, so that the next question is, were you guys having COVID cases that shut no. it all down? No. Okay, then no, we wh- wh- why did it shut down? It, so it's, it's one of those things. Do we want to be the school or the, or the conference that has the COVID cases that has to be the first person to cause the problem? Um, the people who got together to make the decision, based on the information that we were given, it's not safe to have sports. It's not safe to have basketball and wrestling during winter season but it's happening but it's happening in other schools and it was no different in the fall we canceled our volleyball season we canceled our cross-country season but then I went to volleyball games to watch my little cousin play in her senior night so the disparity between the small inner city schools and the larger schools out in the suburbs is that they're going to go on as business as usual because they they can Nobody's going to tell a massive township school that, hey, you can't have a sport. They're going to still find a way to make it work. Um, Whereas the inner city schools, it's harder to stand up and and justify that. I don't have the answer as to why. Hmm. So how many schools that you participate against are not doing sports? Pretty much our whole conference. When you say a whole conference, how many is that? 10, 12? Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't look. I, I don't know. I I didn't yeah. coach in this conference. I'm just, it sounds like I don't know anything about my school. So, well, no, I threw you a curve on that one. I have no clue. <laughs> if you asked me that about a conference here, I wouldn't know. But all of my sports experience comes from one conference, and it's the biggest one in Indiana. And they're all playing, and and their games are being shown on local television. Um, they're they limit the fans, but mm-hmm. the gyms are big enough that the fans can space out. We don't have that ability, but we could have still played games and live streamed. Right. Um, and I think the drawback here is sports is the reason a lot of kids go to school. Right. A lot of kids like me, that was that was what I woke up in the morning to do. And I knew if I do well in school, I can play sports. Mm-hmm. And when you take that away and you take away a kid's identity, it's going to be hard for them to stay motivated to do school. And that just sets another gap for when we do come back from this who's further behind it's it's again the small inner city charter school kids it's those kids are going to have even more of a disadvantage or even more of a mountain to climb to get back to normal Mm -hmm. so do you believe there would be a problem let's say you're doing this virtual school but you told the coaches of the sports say go ahead and continue practicing if you have to scrimmage within your practice that's fine and Let's keep an eye on the numbers, but everyone do the things right. Well, that would give them a release to keep doing that sport and practicing mm-hmm. and scrimmaging, at least amongst themselves. You think that would be a plus? Oh, that'd be a huge benefit. Huge benefit. And especially because our school is so small, our kids would carpool with each other. They would get to the school. They'd find a way. And even if it was a three-day-a-week thing, coming together, practicing together, then the coach can be the one to talk to them about, hey, you came to all three practices you need to go to all six of your classes, all seven of your classes. So, hmm. I mean, that's the part that's missing right now. Having that extra person motivating a kid, is that about right? Yeah, and it's the extra person that, I mean, your basketball coach is more important to you than your teachers, to be honest, more important than your academic advisors. And even if you want to put in, like, the, the music and the arts, we have a wonderful drum line at our school. They haven't touched a drum all year. <laughs> I mean... Those kids, they light up when they get a chance to perform. And you take that away from an artist, what do they have? Right. Understandable. Clearly understandable. I'll be darned. I guess, you know, when you hear this and you see this on TV and you're never sure what exactly is going on and do the kids really like it or not like it. And Mm -hmm. it sounds to me like it's almost, you really don't know where the numbers are at, if they like it or don't like it, right? No. And we have surprises like kids who struggled with in-person learning. They're at home, isolated, and they are just killing it. They're doing incredibly well. And a lot of that is being a teenager is hard. And if being around other teenagers stresses you out, you take that away, now you can be successful. (laughs) I mean, we've got a couple of kids with 4.0s that we were worried about them even graduating a year ago. So there are some success stories that will come from this. Um, it's just the unknown is what makes it so difficult. Right. And I think out of all the, the sports stuff we just talked about, it's, it's the inconsistency from one place to another, which is what makes it hard. Hmm. And if in the fall, when our girls got their volleyball season canceled, but then their friends had their volleyball season played and they just live 20 minutes away, it's, it's hard for people to understand, well, who's right here? Are we making the right decision by being overcautious? Or are we making the wrong decision and hurting kids because we're not allowing them to express themselves in sports and in, in arts? So, and even, even at this very moment, all of Marion County is virtual, but some schools have sports, some don't. Um, some schools have clubs, others don't. 
Some businesses require masks, others don't. And that inconsistency is what makes all of this so difficult to process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with all of that being said, your, your high schoolers who are going to graduate, mm -hmm. what is your biggest fear for them? Oh, man. My biggest fear for them is when they go off to college or they leave high school and start a career that they're not going to be prepared. Um, and it's not just the knowledge that you get from school. It's just the consistent routine of I need to be here at this time. I need to have this done before I show up. My manager or my professor has these expectations of me. Getting back into that routine is hard enough as it is. But getting back to that routine as you switch from a high school kid to a college kid, it's going to put a whole nother level of stress and pressure on a kid's back. And I worry that some of them won't be able to handle it. Hmm. So do you guys have a plan to help these kids before they leave high school? I mean, I think our school, we give all kinds of supports, like even just a little piece about our kids taking Ivy Tech courses as 11th and 12th graders. It's getting them ready for what college will be like but it's under under the guise of our leadership. Like we can remind them when their assignments are due, um, help them communicate with their professors so that when they go to college, they're ready. But nothing this year is normal. So I worry that maybe all of the things that we do to get kids ready for the real world, it might just kind of be pointless because they won't really take in the skills that they would on a normal school year. Okay. Well, now what, what grade does your school start with? Well, there's kindergarten through sixth grade, which okay. is downstairs. And then the school that I'm part of is seven through 12. So it's in the same building, but we're two different schools. Okay. So now do you believe that your kindergartners, first and second graders, if they're doing this learning from home, that this will become a normal thing and they will just adapt to it just fine? Do you believe that? Yeah, I do. I do. It's, it's probably harder on the, the older ones, right? For sure. hundred percent. Okay. What do, what, do you, what do you say as a uh, assistant principal, as a teacher, what do you say to the parents out there who may be listening to this? What, what, do, what is your advice to them? Shoot, I, I'm a parent of elementary kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the best advice I have is, is be flexible. Um, and and try to be as patient with your kids as possible and the teachers. I mean, I see a lot of posts on social media about parents saying, I'm doing half the teacher's job. I need half the salary. If you knew how much the teachers were doing just to get a lesson created virtually so that your kid can learn from it and the 25 other kids in that class, uh, you would not be asking for half the salary. And on top of that, <laughs> if you knew the feeling of, I care about these kids and out of the, 25, 30 kids in my class. I ain't heard from seven of them since July. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like if you can't find your own child and that kind of pressure and, and anxiety just weighs on you. Mm -hmm. So the best advice I can give parents, be patient with those teachers, be open and communicate with them. Um, some of them will be really understanding. Some of them won't. And understand that if they don't sound understanding, it's probably because they're stressed out. Right. <laughs> they're living the life with you. A lot of, a lot of teachers are parents. Um, and then with your own kids, just be as patient as possible. I mean, my kids have done pretty well. They did a little bit of virtual. They, they've done a little bit of in-person this year. And 
like right now, I got an email that my son is missing three homework assignments from like two weeks ago. So I got to tell him to go read a book and it's going to be a struggle. Right. <laughs> and I don't blame him, but he's still got stuff he needs to turn in. And I'm the parent. I'm responsible to help bridge that communication gap between the teacher and the student. Right. Where do you see all of this going? I mean, every time you turn the news on, which you shouldn't always turn the news on, but it just seems to keep <laughs> jumping out, jumping out. Where do you uh -huh. see that? And they're talking about a vaccine and all that. Where do you see this going? Again, talk about vaccines. Who's going to be able to get them first? Who's going to want to get them first? And then think about who's going to get them last. And then I think about my students. Who's going to have the least access to something that's most beneficial? Um, <laughs> so because of that, I think this is going to be something that extends beyond this school year. Um, and I think as as an educator, I need to be prepared to be shifting back and forth from virtual to in-person. Um, and on top of that, I think us as schools, we need to be flexible to say, hey, as a family, you can choose to be virtual or choose to be in-person. And we need to be ready to offer that option for the next couple of school years. Because hmm. um, I think about the couple of kids we have that are just rocking 4.0s because they're at home without distractions. Why would we tell her you need to come back in the building. Schools are open. And then throw her right back into the situation that was highly stressful and highly toxic. So I I don't see this coming to a very quick closed. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, the disparity between schools that are able to do so much more during this time versus schools like ours that are trying to play everything super safe, um, it's going to grow a gap between quality of education, quality of life for the kids. Right. I can sense someone is out there thinking to themselves saying, why can't your school just say, we're going to do this. We're going to do mm -hmm. this one thing for the next, the entire school year. Yep. Do you have to follow a certain plan or are you allowed to make up your own thing? Right. We, we can make up our own thing and we really, we have, I mean, we, we have the flexibility to make up our own schedule. We can, we can do whatever we want based on the recommendations from the health department but we also have to do what's best for our students. Um, and what's best for our students is really consistency and being in the building. And I think when we get the opportunity to open up, we're going to offer as many kids that opportunity to come back as possible, as quickly as possible. Okay. But just sticking to one and saying, let's stay virtual till March, that might be the most consistent option. But we know that our kids need to be in the building. They need to be with us. Okay. So, so we don't want to say that. Okay. I got you. Wow. So there's a whole lot you're juggling here. Oh, yeah. And, and plus, <laughs> I, I think the hardest thing from an administrator standpoint is some of these decisions are made and we have no notice before we can let our staff know what's about to happen. So it's not like before when like ISTEP got changed and all of these meetings were had, school administrators went, we could pass the message down. I mean, when we found out we were all going virtual, the whole county, I'm sitting in a classroom and I just had Twitter pulled up and I see these tweets coming through. Schools are shutting down. Schools are all shutting down. And I'm in the classroom and I see teachers checking their phones. They're finding out as we're finding out. And then as an administrator, we have to all hustle down to the office really quick, <laughs> align on messaging. Here's the message we send. Here's how we motivate teachers. We need to meet after school today and make a plan so this doesn't go terrible. Um, wow. just the frantic nature of it, because if we look panicked, then our teachers are going to feel like they, they don't have good leadership. Mm -hmm. 
but if we act like we've known before them, then it looks like we're hiding stuff. It, the the trust is broken quite a bit when when stuff like this happens. And for me, especially as I'm a new administrator, this is only my second year trying to build trust with a new staff during a pandemic. <laughs> I mean, we're backpedaling over our messages every two weeks because stuff's changing so fast. Right. Okay. Let's say this is a question that came up in mind here. Mm-hmm. Let's say you offer virtual learning and you also offer in school. Yeah. Now, does that teacher have to put together two lesson plans or are they going to have a camera in the room? And if you're there, you're getting it almost as if you're sitting in the classroom. How does that work? Yeah. Is that about right? So that's what we did um, when we went to a hybrid schedule. So when schools were able to be opened earlier this fall, uh, we had about, I'd say 75% of our kids came back. We put a camera in the back of the classroom and we live streamed it on Zoom. Um, and then the te- the kids who were in the classroom were able to just get regular instruction. That's how we tried to model it. It was it was okay. And again, it was one of those things where as we were starting to kind of get into a routine, everything shut back down. So had we done that for an entire semester, I think we could have got to a point where that was effective. Okay, so once the kids get back into the classroom, will sports pick up again? Will band and, and choir and all those things pick up again? Yeah, I mean, that's how we did it. We got back in the classroom and basketball conditioning started and we played, I think, one scrimmage. Our, our girls had two games, I think. Um, that's that's what I assume. If we can have kids in the classroom, we can have kids out on the playing field. Right. Well, that would be a plus. And, and it's also, and you as a parent, it's a drain on you as a parent trying to figure out where your kids are going, either to the school or not in the school. Talk about that a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if I want to talk about that. Um, I mean, because, you know, on the surface, you want to act like you're the best parent ever. Uh, the reality is it is a drain. And there are days where sometimes you're like, look, you don't want to read. I'm not trying to fight you. Go do something. And you feel like a terrible parent. But the reality is me wrestling my son down and forcing a book into his face is just going to make both of us angry and sweaty. And nobody's going to learn anything. So I, I think being forgiving of yourself is probably the hardest part. And understanding that in this situation, you can only do the best that you can do. And you still have to be, you still have to be flexible. Um, for me, not knowing where the kids are going, man, so they're working from the basement right now. Okay. It, it sounds torturous, but it's not like Batman's basement. It's, it's a nice little basement. Uh-huh. They each have their own little section in the room. Um, but like days that my wife has to work, we got to decide, all right, do I bring them with me? Because I'm still working out of the building. They can sit in my office and do their e-learning. Or does she take a day off and stay home? I, so at this point, we're just taking it week by week. Like, all right, this week, you're going to go to work. I'm going to drag the kids to school with me. We'll see how it goes. If it goes bad, next week you got to take off. So, And I'm I'm blessed enough to be in a two-parent household where both of us have jobs. And that's not a very common common theme for a lot of kids today. Right. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And I'm, I'm sure you're looking for that uh, light at the end of the tunnel, right? <laughs> I, honestly, I'm, I'm living week to week right now. Because if I try to look long term, the outlook is grim. I mean, we jokingly have these little conversations like, all right, let's make a prediction. January 1st, will we be in school? Will we be at home? And 
I mean, it was funny the first six months. <laughs> it's not now. It's like, shoot, what are we gonna do? And <laughs> it's not funny anymore. Right. So, have you seen your kids' grades since they've been doing this learning the, the, this way? Yeah, yeah. My kids. Um, in the in the spring when we first went virtual, uh, my son did fine. My daughter did not. And both of them, they're they're real smart. They tell me that they're smarter than me, and they probably are. But <laughs> what it was is in the spring, my kids' teachers just posted a list of assignments for the whole week and said, I'll be on during these times if you have questions. And they just had to work independently through a checklist. Mm -hmm. For my son, he loved it. He's in second grade. He was like, boom, knock this out. Boom, knock this out. Read a book for 30 minutes. Got that. For my daughter, she needs that human interaction. Mm -hmm. She could not do it. And so watching her grades slip, she was discouraged. I was frustrated, but trying not to make her feel bad, trying to encourage her to do her work. Um, so their grades in the spring were not great. Mm -hmm. Since we've come back, um, now the teachers for their school are doing everything live like we're doing. They're talking to the kids on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, they're doing just fine. Right. They're doing fine. So Now, let me ask this question here. Do you think, or have you guys even talked about uh, summer school for some of these kids who are just really struggling? Yeah, yeah. We offered summer school last year because we knew after that spring where everybody shut down, uh, like I said, our high school kids who didn't earn credit for that math class or that science class, they had to retake it in order to earn credit. So we offered summer school. It was virtual just like we did in the spring. Um, teachers got online and walked through lessons with kids so they could regain their credit back. Um, but that is something that we offer every single year anyway. Right. So it won't be a stretch for us at our school. Okay. All right. Oh boy. Yeah. I, like I said, we hear this all the time and we never really know exactly. So I thought I'd reach out to you since you're, uh, assistant principal, you're in the school, you have kids. I mean, you're seeing it from both sides. And in the third side is like you said, you're a sports guy. You're a coach, yeah. and you can see what the kids are missing and what they really need. So yeah, I'm missing it. I mean, yeah. once I went to administration, I stopped coaching. So every year when basketball season starts, I get a little sick to my stomach, just <laughs> knowing that I'm not out there, knowing that I'm not interacting with the kids. Right. Um, and I'm sure the kids feel the same way when they're told, hey, your season's canceled. Oh, yeah, that had to be awful. That, yeah. That had to be awful. Uh, final question. All right. Do you, did you guys have any kids testing positive, uh, causing you know several kids to be wiped out of a classroom for quarantine? Mm -hmm. um, we did really well compared to most schools. Um, we had we installed like hand sanitizer things in every classroom. Every kid wore a mask, and I mean we didn't really play games. Kids took masks down; they got yanked out. <laughs> so, um, as far as how well we controlled it. Our students and our, our teachers did a really good job staying safe. We did have a handful of cases um, just because that's what's going to happen. And as soon as people found out they were positive, they went home and they stayed for 10 days or whatever. And because we offered the virtual option, those kids didn't get too far behind. Um, mm -hmm. As far as staff goes, same thing. We had a handful of situations where staff members tested positive. But I think kind of the blessing at my school is our staff average age is like 28. So people were testing positive and we didn't have to worry about like, oh, is this person 67 years old, diabetic? We didn't have those situations. So um, anyone who tested positive turned out fine, thankfully. 
and then was able to come back to work. Hmm. So, but um, you had to fill in that gap, right? <laughs> oh, you want to know about the, the strain on that? <laughs> yeah, go <Man>. ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> was it mid-July, our substitute company, they said, we're not sending anyone to your building this year because of COVID. So, instantly, if anybody was out for any reason, it was automatic. Hey, whatever teacher is free at that moment, they're covering this class. And uh, one of my coworkers, the other assistant principal, her job is to handle coverage. So she has to send out that text message at 630 in the morning saying, hey, you five teachers, you're covering Miss So-and-So's class because she's out for two weeks with possible COVID. <laughs> and uh, I mean, add that to the stress teachers already have. Now you don't get a prep period. Now you got to cover a class with some kids you don't know and can't see half their face anyway. And uh, oh, man, that... I mean, that's teachers being out is stressful anyway, but when it's a COVID situation, it's automatic 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I can explain it. I can't explain it. If you're not a teacher having to go cover someone else's class, you do it because you care about the kids. You do it because you, you want to help your coworker out, but Ooh, it's, Oh, it just puts you in a place that you don't want to be in. <laughs> Like, I could be eating my lunch right now. Right. I'm looking at y'all, <laughs> passing out these papers. They ain't even going to grade these papers, but I'm in here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But I think I think the teachers at my school handle that really, really well. Um, I've worked at schools before where they'd be like, hey, we need someone to cover so-and-so's class. Teachers be like, don't you dare ask me. And they would just walk away. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, um, so you, you guys are looking forward to the uh, holiday break. What? Teachers don't get breaks. <laughs> I think that's a, a mis misnomer, misconception. <laughs> Christmas break, it will be a break, but the reality is the teachers are going to be sitting there turning wheels in their head every day thinking, all right, we're coming back virtual. Let me get all of January planned out, and then let me also be prepared in case they say, hey, after Martin Luther King Day, we're coming back in the building. Um, I mean, I tell the teachers, take a break, get some rest, don't think about work. You can't tell a teacher to not think about work, especially when they don't know what work's going to look like in the next month. Okay, well, sorry for even bringing that up. <laughs> I, I, it's one of the things about being really in any public service job. Um, you're constantly thinking about, what am I going to do the next time I get to work? When I worked in sales, I would clock out at 5 o'clock. I didn't think about that job until I pulled in the parking lot the next day. So it's, it's impossible. Hmm. I mean, even just the other day, I'm leaving the building. One, my geometry teacher, she's like, yeah, I'm going to go drop this computer off at this kid's house. His computer broke. So she finished teaching her whole eight-hour day, drove to a student's house, dropped him off a new computer, and then went home and planned her lessons for the next day. And, I mean, that's one of the things people don't realize about teaching. Sure, they work eight-hour days with a lunch like everybody else, but the eight-hour workday is the presentation that they spent all weekend planning. And... Wow. I mean, if you really counted up the hours, teachers do a lot of their work outside of the workday at home. I wish it wasn't the case, but throw in a, a COVID pandemic, nobody's going home and just watching Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's one of those things, I guess you didn't know it until this all happened. Yeah. Well, I, I think you knew a little bit about the work, but I, like you said, throwing in this whole pandemic, it just messed everything up. <laughs> So, yeah. okay, since you said that, have you guys lost any teachers because of the pandemic? Or are they all staying strong? 
Oh, well, wait, well, let me let me rephrase that. When I say lost the teacher, I don't mean passed away. I mean no, none of our teachers quit. passed away. Again, quit. Teachers, no, I didn't say pass. I mean, <laughs> none of our teachers are at risk because of that. I mean, we did have teachers lose family members due to COVID, which I still man, think you didn't understand my question. No, what no, I, mean, I understand the question. Have have teachers left? Yes. 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 Okay. yes. Even though, like I said, we we were really safe, but the reality is, you can only feel so safe. When all of a sudden kids come back in the building, okay. Every kid can wear a mask and use the hand sanitizer and try to space six feet. It, but when you're unsure about how contagious it is, when you're unsure how the virus could affect you if you get it, um, it's hard to function at, at a normal capacity. So right. we did have a really great teacher. He chose to go pursue other other fields. He was like, I cannot, I cannot bring myself to come in here every day, knowing that I could possibly get someone else sick, myself get sick. And uh, so we did lose some staff members to that. Hmm. Well, they um, also have to realize too, wherever they go, this can still follow them. Yeah, but I think the, the hard part for teachers who've left the profession because of it, is like you said earlier, schools have a choice. We, we get recommendations, but we can always say, hey, we don't all feel safe, let's go virtual. Um, but the hard part is we also have to consider what happens to our kids if we all go virtual. Right, right. And so some teachers feel like we put ourselves at an unnecessary risk in order to provide education and, and life balance for our kids. And not everybody's willing to do that. And I mean, honestly, when I think about it, what police officers, you guys get free, free healthcare or no, mm -hmm. you don't have to pay a healthcare premium. Right. So, but you go out and put yourselves at risk every single day we're now going out and putting ourselves at risk, but we don't have the same benefits from the state that police officers, nurses, firefighters get, paramedics. Hmm. We don't get those same benefits on our job. Ah, ah good point, good point. Okay, <clears throat> we could kick this around, but I want you to wrap it up. What do you want the listeners to know about what the teachers and the kids and the parents are going through in a nutshell? I know we've talked a lot. Now give us the Reader's Digest version of what you really like to, in conclusion, let us know. In conclusion, just know we're making decisions as a school that is supposed to be what's best for the kids. And we understand that we cannot please everybody. And any change that we make in a school is going to impact somebody somewhere negatively, just as much as it'll impact somebody somewhere positively. So if schools shutting down has created a strain on your life as a parent, as a student, that is not the intention. Um, we just got to weigh the options based on what we know and what we're told by the health department. And I think as a school leader, I feel safer knowing that my kids are getting too much screen time for a couple of months versus my kids going to school could possibly kill somebody. Um, and if I'm wrong in thinking that, then I guess years from now, I'll be like, dang, I guess I made a poor choice. But if I'm right in thinking that if we save lives by shutting schools down, then I think the stress that we're going through right now is worth it. Hmm. Okay. Well, Austin, like I said at the beginning, we do appreciate what you do, what you teachers do, what you have to deal with, and the decisions you guys make. You guys are also part of those essential workers. You're mm -hmm. out there in the front line. You're giving everything you can and doing the best you can. I know you are. And uh, sometimes we forget that. We forget you guys are out there. But we remember all the other people, but uh, we really appreciate what you do 
for all those young people and influencing and touching their lives. We do appreciate that. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> just, just here's one last thing I want to say. So before all of this happened, you had teachers at all different levels of technolo technological skill. And I remember showing some teachers what, like what Google Docs was a couple years ago, and it, it was freaking them out. When it became necessary for teachers to all use a virtual platform, every single teacher jumped on board, learned how to use it themselves, and then learned how to teach children how to use it themselves. And that's not something that happens in, in any field anywhere where people can adapt that fast. And I think that's something that teachers should be commended for everywhere. Teachers are learning new skills while they're teaching in the time that is, is unprecedented, honestly. Wow. That's a big takeaway. Right. So kudos to all those teachers who <laughs> didn't know how to find their Gmail <laughs> six months ago. <laughs> now they can figure out how to do a Zoom plus a, a whatever else platform you're using to teach kids. They're picking it up quick and they're doing well with it. Right. So, yeah, there's some good coming out of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Oh, good. Well, Austin, again, thank you very much for taking the time out of your day. And uh, hopefully everything works well. And uh, when it comes to an end, it will come to an end. And uh, mm -hmm. we'll just have to go with the flow for this time, right? Yeah, go with the flow. Be flexible and be forgiving of each other. There you go. Good ending. Good ending. All right. Austin Inge out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Mr. Assistant Principal, we do appreciate your time and thank you for being on Police Pod Talk, folks. We will catch you again next week. All right. Thanks. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. <laughs>